Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Off of the Couch podcast. Maggie here. My guest today is Brad Eaton, a health coach who lives in Claremont, New Hampshire. He has a very interesting story that includes bodybuilding and coaching, but started where a lot of people in New England start their day in the Dunkin' Donuts drive through This was a fascinating conversation, and we plan to do a part two because we had some more to talk about. Here's Bradford Eaton. Um, well, do you want to um, just start by telling like your story and then telling us about your your business? I can do that. Sure. Uh, so, so you know, my my story, my background, maybe like many, has uh, led to where I am now. You know, many people have a life changing event or a series of things that kind of uh, guide navigate them to where they are. So. Um, you know, my, my story, uh, you know, in, in a way centers around nutrition. So I had an event in my life that uh, required me to uh, focus on my nutrition and, and then physical activity. And then uh, later on, I met uh, a woman uh, here in Claremont, New Hampshire, which is where I live. Um, and, uh, you, you know, she had some needs. See, she was type 2 diabetic and such, which... Uh, then took what I knew and focused it down that path of health a little bit. And then uh, ultimately it ended up that, uh, you know, at the end of where I am right now, I, I work at a, uh, a primary care practice, medical practice here in, uh, in the town. Uh, and it ends up being uh, my wife's primary care uh, nurse practitioner. <laughs> so, um. so, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll back up. Uh, from there and, and, and kind of highlight how these how these things uh, occurred. So, you know, if I, if I go all the way back, um, you know, uh, out of high school, I, I went to college for a little bit, uh, you know, thought I wanted to fly planes. I wasn't too interested in the history of aviation. So I focused tech on technology, maybe, um, and joined the Navy. So, so the piece there that's relevant is uh, we went on a lot of uh, sea tours, uh, Caribbean and uh, Mediterranean, and every time we uh, ended ship's work, we uh, we set up a, a lifting area to uh, have physical activity, and that's how we we kept ourselves uh, in shape and such. And so it was really about then, a long time ago in the '80s, that uh, I started with the physical uh, training. Um, you know, and then I, I guess a, a lot of what happened after that, after you know, I came ashore. You know, when I was married, and maybe this happens to many people, is that for whatever reason, I lost focus of of, of my own, my health, I guess, um, and it was you know more of a cognitive focus on uh, on uh, my job and um, and my family and my wife and such. So everything, you know, it was more like at that point my my body was just a, a conduit, a, a mechanism to move my brain around from point A to point B. And, <laughs> and so, and so co- completely lost myself in that manner there. But, um, you know, like many people, you, you, you know, you focus on career and, and, uh, and those sort of things. I got to the point then when I separated from the service and, and then, um, you know, I, uh, I worked for uh, a major medical company, but they were in Connecticut and they were about an hour drive away. So, so my mornings were, you know, uh, you know, I had to get up early and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, just a mile or two down the road was a Dunkin' Donuts before I got on the highway. And so it was, it really wasn't so much again about, you know, helping to help the health of my body. It was about mitigating the hunger that I had when I get up and that, and, and the pleasure or uh, the enjoyment of a large Dunkin' Donuts coffee with cream and sugar with an old fashioned donut, which really tasted pretty good. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the day was really not about proper nutrition or, or even my health. It was about, you know, how to stop the hunger signals in a way I'm hungry and, and how to stay running with some sort of energy, which meant that I, Pretty much had coffee uh, through through the whole morning, and and then uh, you know lunch out was uh, ch- the nearby Chinese food, and and um, 
and then uh, the vending machine with the Snickers bar before I went home. So, so, so it was that kind of theme for a long time. And then, um, you know, and then I was uh, going to college while I was working. And, and so you could just imagine, but it was that same theme in terms of my health until at one point, um, um, y- y- you know, my body just finally gave me a message. It couldn't do it anymore. And that uh, revealed itself um, uh, from a uh, digestive health point of view, uh, not, not to be shared too much, but I mean, it got to the point where at my work, I worked in marketing product management and uh, uh, in order to sit at my desk, I had to have one of those round donut pillows. <laughs> right, right, because yeah. uh, hemor- hemorrhoids were so bad that I literally couldn't sit in the chair. And um, so um, so then I was fortunate, my healthcare uh, insurance changed. I had to find a new um, doctor. He was an internal medicine doctor, a very bright guy. And he uh, did tests for celiac disease. And, um, and he, he uh, nailed it. Um, you know, he did the uh, uh, autoimmune, or not autoimmune, but um, uh, the testing for uh, celiac and such and uh, found I had celiac. So that was kind of then a real turning point for me. It just, it just, things got to be so bad at that point that I had to pay attention. And then, and then from there, um, you know, I, uh, I then had to find my way back. And so, you know, I knew I, I had to change my diet. That's the point where my diet changed. Uh, and, and the other thing was that, um, you know, it made me realize that, uh, I was so unhealthy that uh, I needed to not only change, avoid wheat and gluten, but I had to have a diet that would help rebuild me because I was effectively 135 pounds, let's say soaking wet. And, uh, and, and so if you imagine out of the body composition, my lean mass was, I don't know, probably, I don't know, 90 pounds or something, uh, not very healthy, you know, so 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 then the journey began, um, you know, I, I started eating a, a lot of uh, uh, better, a lot of protein and, and, uh, you know, salads and such. I did, I made my own salads. I mean, relatively speaking, they were probably $13 salads if you bought them at a store, uh, for lunch. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, plenty of meat and, and olives and all sorts of things that are great. But, um, and so, uh, um, and, and then, uh, also, uh, fitness training at the gym, a lot of strength training. And that just evolved over time. You know, one step led me to uh, try to understand something more about how I could improve my body composition and size because I was very emaciated. And it was actually disappointing mentally. I mean, I didn't want to be that thin. I mean, granted, I, 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 I didn't have excess body fat, but I was very thin. And so psychologically that can, you know, kind of wear on you a little bit and it did. So, so uh, over, you know, fast forward, um, I spent initially, I had a a, a, a system in my downstairs basement of my house that I used that evolved into going to the gym about five or six days a week with a regular good routine. Uh, Probably over the 15 years or so, I, you know, probably virtually never missed a day of oh, wow. those six, six day workouts. Uh, someday, sometimes the sixth day was just doing some biceps or something fun or enjoying the social uh, activity at, at the fitness center, uh, a little lighter, but that was the routine for a lot of years. And then I met some people along the way that uh, were very much into to, uh, fitness, uh, some uh, bodybuilding and, and uh, they suggested, wow, you know, this is, this is probably when I was about 40, uh, 40, uh, I don't know, six, 47. Uh, and they suggested, well, you, you should think about competing. Uh, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And, and, uh, so, so I thought about it and it was an interesting pursuit. I mean, bodybuilding is an interesting thing. It's really an art with, with all of the uh, things that go on in terms of, uh, body composition and, and posing and, and, uh, adjusting your meals and such before, to, prepare. It really is uh, pretty sophisticated, maybe not as simple as we see it, someone posing on a, on a stage with bikinis on. Uh, it has a lot to it and it can be pretty rewarding. Yeah. Um, but um, so, so uh, I thought about that and then, and, and then all of these things in my life between uh, jobs and such, it just didn't happen. And finally at, uh, uh, and, and, the, and the age groups are, they have specific age groups. So one, 
uh, goes up to uh, is under 50 uh, and, and then over 50 is a master's group. So so I thought what I would do was uh, be very smart. And just as I turned 50, I would mm-hmm. compete because I would be the youngest, most physically fit 50 year old. Uh, right. But that, that didn't work out. And so finally, I thought I've just got to put the stake in the sand. And I did it 52 and just uh, competed. I only gave myself about eight weeks preparation. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a, quite a challenge. And so that what that eight weeks preparation forced me to do is to, to learn a lot about loss of uh, a body fat. And, and in, in eight weeks, that's, that's pretty a tough thing. It's not enough time realistically, but so I, um, you know, in, in the scheme of things between, you know, when I weighed 135 pounds, I eventually, got up to, uh, I think it was uh, 220 thereabouts. I uh, didn't realize that in wow. fact, there is, there is a theoretical max, maximum of lean body mass a person can acquire. So for example, for me, uh, you know, given my bone structure and uh, frame, that theoretical max would be 165 pounds of lean mass mm-hmm. uh, and um, absent of body fat. So I, I got to about 164 as best I could estimate, but I overshot that a lot by getting to, uh, to uh, you, you know, about 220 pounds, which meant I had about 30 pounds of excess body fat. Uh, so, which, which, you know, so uh, it was all about losing that. And then, so in the preparation, I actually lost uh, 30 pounds of body fat with no loss of lean mass. Wow. And so, and so the, the, the approach that I had to use with that short of time, I used a, uh, what we call a targeted uh, ketogenic diet, which means uh, it's a, a, a ketogenic diet with uh, targeted uh, doses of carbohydrate just before the workout, the amounts of which are uh, uh, set to ensure that it supports the training, but also is burned up at the end of the training and then allows you to quickly go back into ketosis again. And so it was a combination of that and heavy weight training that allowed me to not lose any muscle mass while expediting this very quick uh, loss of body fat. And so I came in, uh, it turns out, you know, over 50, uh, uh, grandmaster, uh, yeah, grandmaster masters, um, came in third, which wasn't bad considering, you know, there's a lot of posing technique and I really didn't know what I was doing there, but I was satisfied with it. It was a nice yeah. event to have happen in, in my life. So, so maybe, maybe folks can see kind of the evolution of where this took me from a, from a, in, um, a training point of view and a nutrition point of view. The, the next thing that happened here was that, like I mentioned, uh, I met uh, uh, a woman uh, that, um, uh, we're married now and, um, and such. So, so when I met her, she was, she was actually type two diabetic, um, her. And so we, you know, we, we, she enjoyed the same lifestyle that I had in terms of, uh, uh, physical training and such really didn't have the knowledge, uh, of, of, uh, proper use of training, I would say, nor proper nutrition. So in her past, she was always, you know, not eating enough or eating salads and, and also uh, just on the cardio deck all the time. Yeah. Salads and, so, and cardio. Yeah. 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 So, so when we got together, um, you know, she, I, I didn't maybe at that point know that much about the connection between a ketogenic type diet and um, the health aspects of like insulin resistance and such. But uh, that came as we went along. So we just started around the same diet that, that I did, uh, ketogenic diet, and uh, and uh, and also the heavy weight training. So so at the end of the day, she she uh, put her diabetes in remission. A1C came down into the normal range. Um, her her she was on six medications. She's off all of them, including a thyroid medication, and also um, um, went from a size sixteen to a size four. So, yeah, so, um, so in, in that process, you know, she would have her, her uh, annual checkups, physicals. And I, I think at that time, since she was diabetic, she, uh, and was, uh, her body composition was changing so much that her medications needed to be adjusted. And, and so yeah. I, I would attend the, uh, attend the uh, appointments with her and, and the nurse practitioner was, 
really interested in what was happening, asking her, what are you eating? What are you doing? And really trying to understand her recipe for her success, I guess. And then, uh, so ultimately- Yeah, because they were they, probably still telling the other patients to cut out their fat and uh, eat their healthy whole grains, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So they had a they had a lifestyle clinic that they had started. Um, you know, I don't know when exactly because I was working in the community at one time. I when I came here to this town uh, as the strength and conditioning coach at the high school, budget cuts so that went away uh, at a fitness center. They went bankrupt. <laughs> so so I was coaching some private clients and and uh, for for quite a while and and uh, you know really brought. I th you know, not to be too vain, but I, I'm pretty sure the notion of ketosis was very new to this area. Maybe not Connecticut, but definitely yeah. this area. And yeah. uh, this would have been about seven years ago. And uh, so anyways, uh, they, they were starting their own uh, lifestyle clinic and uh, they needed uh, someone to direct it. And so they, uh, they pulled me in because, uh, I mean, I, I guess something good was going on with my wife. So. Right. You know, and and uh, so it really uh, applied, and so now um, now I, I direct a lifestyle clinic in in, in that private practice. Um, it's it's very uh, interesting because you know uh, many people, um, you know, if you consider only what twelve percent of the population is metabolically healthy, yeah. so every everyone else has some level of uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, or uh, you know, uh, diet, uh, whatever it might be. And so consequently, as they get healthier, there's typically some need to, uh, to adjust uh, medications and such along the way. So this, this was a very nice, uh, you know, team collaboration, as well as uh, testing and such. So, so I, I became, you know, when I came in, we ran, we ran some pretty uh, sophisticated tests. Uh, one was by Boston Heart Labs, which uh, they're kind of a cardio or cardiovascular uh, company with labs to uh, evaluate, um, you know, cardiovascular conditions. So they 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 have a pretty robust lab panel. For example, down to your LDL particle size and, oh, and such, and um, as well as your omega uh, levels, and mm -hmm. it's very robust. And so we were running those labs, and 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 along the way, that you know, it also incurred my my learning every single one of these test results. Um, and then the providers would order the labs and, and uh, they would uh, our, um, you know, meet with the patients to uh, help them understand the results. And, and then we'd work uh, from a lifestyle point of view to, uh, to improve those things. So it was a great learning experience from that point of view. And having those labs was really uh, essential and amazing because, I mean, generally what I find is, um, uh, you know, change is, a, is an interesting thing for people to uh, change their lifestyle. And, um, you know, within coaching, you have a, a model of change. The first stage is uh, uh, such that uh, there needs to be a discrepancy for anybody want, want to want to make a change. And, and uh, so, you know, sometimes we're not fully informed of all the things that are happening to us or the consequences of what we're doing in terms of lifestyle. And so sometimes these tests helped really put the, uh, the situation on the screen, on the radar, uh, in terms of, uh, well, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're very low in omegas or uh, your inflammation is very high. And, it, and there's things that we don't see at the surface level. So those were very useful, uh, helped me a lot in, in my understanding and, and helping people. Um, so I guess that, I guess that kind of covers the background along with a little bit about how I help people now. So if you want, I could go into a little bit more about how we help people now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great story. I mean, 135 pounds to 215 pounds that, uh, of course, usually most of the people we meet want to go the other way, but um how tall are you uh five foot eleven uh-huh so and I don't, I don't, pounds, you were really emaciated yeah i was i really was yeah. and um you know at the time it's a, no one would would no one would bring up a point or say anything you know it was like uh nobody thought that was a problem other other than when i went to eat at, at like my in-laws they would be uh you know envious that i could eat so much and not gain weight 
but, but, you know, from my point of view, I, you know, oftentimes I was trying to eat quite a bit because I wasn't comfortable with being that thin and I couldn't. Um, not to mention that once, once later, once I uh, had the celiac diagnosed, the, uh, the doctor also had uh, bone densitometry done and it turned I did have a little bit of a uh, sarcopenia, which is just the beginning yeah. of some bone loss. Uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful. I haven't had, had that test done a lot of years back, but I'm hopeful that uh, I've reversed that or stopped it. Um, yeah, I would guess with your with your heavy lifting and your, you know, the, you're obviously taking in the nutrients and using them. So yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a good story. So I don't, I don't I don't have that stature now. I mean, when I competed after yeah. I, after I dropped the body fat, I was when I that day that I stepped on stage, I was uh, 180 pounds uh, and um, roughly 10% body fat. Now, 10% body fat isn't necessarily all that great for many people competing, but you know, they usually like to see uh, be leaner than that. But but honestly, in eight weeks, I, uh, given the circumstance I gave myself, I was I was okay with it, you know. Um, yeah. but, but so, so, so now, you know, life happens and such, I, I was pretty diligent about maintaining that ritual until, you know, I don't know, about four years ago. And now I'm, I'll be 64 in, in, uh, November. So, you know, I still weigh 182 pounds or so, but, um, you know, I need to be, uh, I, I want to be a little more diligent with my strength training to, um, you know, maintain my muscle mass in these later years. Uh, anyways but yeah oh great yeah if you want to go into uh how you help people now that'd be great yeah so i, th I think the biggest thing that's happened uh for me is that th the experience with my wife was uh rather eye-opening uh you know you know what i used simply to to uh, help myself recover which, which I, I in a way i didn't think about it as recovering i thought about it as simply rebuilding uh, you know, to rebuild muscle mass and then to eat in a way that would make me healthy and allow me to build muscle mass. But, um, you know, when I worked with my wife that, 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 you know, we saw those connections with helping her with her diabetes, which um, uh, probably many people know, uh, insulin resistance uh, is just an advanced, a very advanced uh, level of uh, type two diabetes is a very advanced level of insulin resistance pre-diabetes is slightly less insulin resistance. And there are many people walking around with levels of insulin resistance that they don't know they have. Um, and so, which are a hindrance to their weight loss and they don't know it. Uh, and, and they're a risk for cardiovascular disease and they don't know it. So, so um, you know, by, by being at the practice, having these labs, uh, seeing what happened for my wife, I, I really ended up learning and transitioning these what, what might've been simple lifestyle practices into uh, ways to influence health. And, um, and, uh, and, and then, you know, and along in all the years is, is keeping my head buried in PubMed and, and uh, with all the research studies on insulin resistance and triglycerides and, and uh, fat loss, like lipolysis and, and uh, you know, anything you could imagine relative to, to uh, health. The big term now is metabolic health. That's a big deal. It really is, uh, which you probably know. And, and um, you know, there are a lot of tentacles that come off of that to high blood pressure and, and uh, heart disease and such. So that's why it is such a big deal. But, but um, well, I, learned, I, I learned a lot about that. And so really, in, I think, enhanced my ability to, to um, offer greater uh, benefits to, to the practice. And, uh, and being in the practice, uh, you know, I, I would see a lot of people come into to, uh, my clinic and with, with differing problems and, and differing circumstances. And I'd always then take those circumstances and try to understand theirs a little better. Like, how is it someone who can have a normal A1C and normal fasting glucose, not be losing weight or something, and then see from like these Boston Heart Labs that their insulin is through the roof. Oh, and really? so we, yeah, so we talk about, you know, we talk about, that's, that's why, you know, we use the, the A1C as the metric to understand a person's uh, glucose levels. Mm -hmm. 
relative to diabetes. And diabetes is really a minor part of the whole metabolic health component. It's just one symptom uh, or, or one value. And, and so, you know, I've seen many patients that would come in, the A1C is normal, the fasting glucose is normal, but they had higher insulin. And so when insulin's high, you know, you're in storage mode. That means you can't get your body fat out of your, you, you can't get the energy out of your body fat, which means you're not going to lose weight unless you mm -hmm. lose muscle. And so these, these things are not apparent to, to, I would say, the majority of the population. Yeah. And it's only and it's only becoming more uh, apparent to many very good practitioners uh, out there uh, who are championing this, and 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 um, it's tremendous they are. Um, but um, so so it you know it turns out now that uh, you know I learned quite a bit. It's it's to the point now where you know, with the labs and such that, that it would help people with their readiness to change, better understand their circumstances. You know, initially they might come in thinking, I just want weight loss and not understand the connection of their weight to, to actually their health or more importantly, their, their uh, risk for cardiovascular disease. So, so for example, there is a very um, um, specific connection between insulin resistance uh, to high blood pressure. And there's a very specific connection to insulin resistance, how you utilize your glucose in your bloodstream and such, and your triglyceride levels. And those triglyceride levels have a very important connection to the likelihood of you uh, building plaque on your arteries. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of detail to this, but the, the benefits of the labs and now knowing this is to help, you know, a person may come in and offer that I just want to lose weight. And then you kind of peel back a little bit. We, we, we talk a lot about your why, right? Why is this important to you and yeah. your bigger picture for life, your vision of, of uh, how you want to live your life. And so ultimately, you know, as you hold these conversations, you begin to discover, yes, I want to lose weight, but, but really my intent is I, I want to be around for my grandkids or my children, and and then it evolves into a bigger scope of uh, what they, or, or a more defined uh, scope of what they're looking for, and and when you you know when when you when it, when a coach can start to portray these connections, hopefully in a uh, simple uh, way, then uh, I think many people become a little more motivated and, and they understand the nature of how their nutrition and any adjustments to their nutrition relate to all of these things. Uh, because there are a lot of nutritional approaches out there, you know, you could choose from. And, and um, the question is, how do, you, how do you know that's the right one? Or, or how do you know it's, it works? And uh, so, so to some extent, uh, hopefully in a simple way, I try to help them see how nutrition affects them simply metabolically, and then how that relates to to uh, how their body works and can uh, cause or avoid things like arthrosclerosis or high blood pressure or, or, uh, or allow or inhibit weight loss. And then once they enlist in the program and we, and we start doing the things that nutritionally or uh, physical activity wise, and they start to see those labs move, they're, they're more like they're sold, you know, it's uh, because it's, it's the end result. I, I, you know, I don't know. So, so maybe, unfortunately, I, I would say probably 99% of the people that come into the clinic where I work are insulin resistant. Mm -hmm. So consequently, you know, my, my recommendation at a certain point, because, you know, it's not, it's not didactic. It's not telling them what to do. You know, as a coach, we, you know, we uh, help the client uh, be self-determined and self-actualized and learn for themselves and choose their own path. And we walk beside them and those sort of things. But, but um, um, they, um, you know, they begin to see uh, uh, the results in these labs and, uh, and, and see the benefit. And so it's um, uh, validates a lot of what uh, oh. has happened. So, and, and so, you know, that's a lot of what, what, what we do now with, you know, with 99% of them being insulin resistant, which is, you know, if you consider 12%, only 12% of the population is metabolically healthy. That's a lot of people yeah. who, who really, who really just Most don't people, know. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we hold these initial conversations when they come to meet with me and um, uh, nothing against medical practitioners. I mean, they're, they're given the, the education and experience that they're given. Um, and many now are, are growing into uh, understanding nutrition and exercise and, and this notion of metabolic health a lot better. Uh, it, but um, they'll come into the office and we discuss these things and, and they'll say, well, no, no one's ever told me that. Right. <laughs> and, and so that, you know, if, if, you know, it's, it's along the lines of you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. uh, so, you know, in the beginning, um, I, I think there's a big opportunity for us to, to, um, 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 you know, create some awareness, you know, publicly, uh, however we do that, um, so, so people can begin to become informed and then start to engage sooner. It's unfortunate that, that all the time, most of the time right now, the, the only time they start to engage is, is when they come to me because they have an issue. And, and, yeah. that, and, and that's really a short period of time to, it's like taking a cold shower. It's like, whoa, I'm not ready for all of this, but whoa, yeah. that sounds correct. <laughs> you know, and it needs to be a little more uh, uh, yeah. grad gradual. It would be better if they had been fed the information correctly all along, but unfortunately, right, we were all fed incorrect information. We still sort of are, if you go through the cereal aisle at the grocery store, it's got all these green checks and healthy hearts. And right. So, yeah. Right. So, so there is, um, you know, how I help people now. Um, I do try to bring a, a variety of uh, information to people. Um, you know, especially heart health. So, so my wife, as an example, she has, she still has high LDL. She has high ApoB, that's genetic, which causes the high LDL. She, um, so for all intents and purposes, she should be on a statin. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm not offering any medical advice, but I will say that, you, you, you know, we, we look at these things as markers. We're, as a prediction of what will happen, you know, so, so the, the high LDL is a prediction that you're going to have plaque buildup. Uh, there are some other uh, ways of knowing if plaque buildup has actually happened. And so that's where we're going with my wife. So, so granted she has, she has high LDL and she has high ApoB, but um, if I, we, we look at her triglyceride HDL ratio, which is very low, um, it's like uh, some studies suggest that when that ratio is less than 1.33, it's highly mm -hmm. unlikely you'll have small particles of LDL that could be arthrogenic. Uh, and she's like down to 0.7 or something. You know, her inflammation is, is optimal is less than one and she's down around 0.5. So she has no inflammation. Very mm -hmm. uh, unlikely that she'll have any small particles. And, and, um, and her triglycerides, you can find many studies that will talk about triglyceride levels and the propensity to uh, produce uh, small LDL particles. And so when, when you're down, you know, the, the idea of big fluffy particles or small dense particles, small dense particles being more arthrogenic. So when, when you're down at 60, it's, um, it's uh, the probability of having any small arthrogenic particles is like non-existent. Okay. And she's usually down around 56 with her triglycerides. So, so she has no inflammation, the likelihood of that ever happening. And then there are some other lab tests, which again, through my uh, being at the practice and running and understanding labs from Boston Heart, there's one LPPLA2 uh, that, that looks at uh, what, what's happening at, the, uh, at your uh, vasculature uh, in terms of, uh, it's a good metric for looking at soft plaque buildup. Okay. And, and so, so when she just finished the program, uh, maybe it's been four years, maybe five years ago now, she was only two points of, uh, outside of optimal. And, and then we redid, redid that, I think it was a year ago, and, and it had dropped 50 points. In other words, it had gotten oh, wow. better by 50 points. Oh, and so you ask sweet. yourself, how did that happen? Could it have been the uh -huh. ketogenic diet? Could it have been, but she has high LDL. So, so could it have been the ketogenic diet? We also use berberine, which is an interesting uh, natural herb. And studies recently have discussed uh, the ability for berberine to help uh, reduce uh, plaque. Uh, so it could have been that also. None of these are medical advice. It's just uh, 
interesting uh, awareness and education. Uh, and also another uh, test, which is called MPO, and that has a long name behind it, but MPO actually also looks at the vasculature and the tissue of the arteries to know if, if things are happening that would cause plaque, but, but in a different way. And, and that's been uh, an optimal for a long time. So, so it's the only thing left for us to do in this nature is uh, maybe a carotid artery calcification test. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have Dartmouth-Hitchcock just... Uh, 30, 30 oh, minutes yeah. up the road, which, which we might, we might tend to do that. I mean, insurance doesn't pay for it. Uh, uh, I understand it could be anywhere from 200 to maybe $400, but it, it may be a worthwhile thing to validate where we're at. Um, mm -hmm. So, so maybe out of that, you, you can kind of get a, maybe a general sense of how I help people now. I mean, it's, it's really through nutrition, um, fitness. Um, you know, I've, I've just come to better understand that, you know, physical activity is not, you know, you know, many people think of it in terms of uh, weight loss and burning calories, as most of us would know. It's 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 actually not the best approach for for uh, uh, calorie reduction. Um, best done with uh, with your uh, nutrition, uh, but um, you know it is essential for uh, uh, avoiding uh, muscle loss, what we would call sarcopenia, uh, and it, we may know now. Uh, and a great person behind this, <laughs> you know, Dr. Gabriel Lyons, as many people may know, is uh, really a champion on the importance of muscle and how muscle plays into your health. Um, there are, you know, for example, there's, there's obviously, you know, muscle is key to absorbing your glucose. You store about 80% of your glucose in your muscle. So it's a key metabolic component uh, there in terms of, uh, you know, maintaining your proper glucose levels. But also now there's uh, a lot of talk of what we call myokins, where simply uh, a protein, they're signaling proteins, which go throughout your body and, and actually signal uh, bone development and help with your metabolism. And, and then of course, probably a lot of people have heard of uh, uh, brain-derived nootropic factors, which help with uh, your your mood and, and, and many other things. So, so um, yeah, so so um, muscle uh, nutrition, um, and uh, you know we can now the way I can help people now is help them get a, a different perspective. You know we've always been told, uh, you know, it's an interesting dilemma. Keep it simple. <laughs> simple was eat less and exercise more. That's really simple. And who was it? It was. Uh, was it Thomas Edison or who, 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 who was it that he said, keep it as simple as possible. But the other part of that is, but no simpler. And so the question is, you know, when is it too simple? And maybe the, too simple is when it becomes inaccurate or not specific. And, and so, so in a lot of what I do now is I try to help people understand this the best I can without being too detailed, the, the specifics of how it, relates to the body. So, you know, with physical exercise now, I talk about from a health perspective and I try to help people realize there's, there's, there's a distinction between performance, like physical performance and health. And, and so you're, you, you, you know, you, you're gonna have to fuel yourself and train yourself much different for physical performance to, to, to maybe let's say more of an extreme. And that extreme may not necessarily be the same thing that you need to apply simply for health, which, right. which means your, your exercise can be more targeted uh, with less frequency and duration and intensity. Um, and, and, and your nutrition can be different. Obviously, uh, you know, now sitting here, we burn, uh, you know, mostly fatty acids while we're sitting here. But, but a football player on the field sprinting all day is obviously going to need more glucose and therefore less fats. So, so, so that's where things need to be a little more specific. And, and, um, and I talk about regarding the physical activity, the things we want to improve is our cell health. So I'll just throw a few buzzwords out there is things like, uh, you know, improving the, the mitochondrial health of your cell. That's really important. They're the energy factories. And they're really important because they can signal the cell to kill itself if, for example, it tends to be cancerous. So they're a big deal. And, uh, and they are also the energy factories which uh, 
you know, can produce like a car engine, you know, they produce some exhaust, we would call that oxidative stress in the body. So the, the quality of your mitochondria, in other words, the efficiency of those engines to run and not produce a lot of exhaust is very important. And then on top of that, you know, the number of mitochondria you have, because if we, if we don't, if we're not active, the body gets rid of them. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, you'd much rather prefer to have, uh, you know, rather than one of those Clydesdales pulling the Budweiser uh, truck up a hill, you'd much rather prefer to have half a dozen of them. And so you would consequently like to have more mitochondria because each of them works less. And then there's less exhaust, if you will, produced from those engines and less oxidative stress, which then allows your cells to be healthy. So, so then you would say, you know, there are specific exercises that relate to, you know, improving the, the health of the single mitochondria. And there are specific exercises that will facilitate the cell to produce uh, more mitochondria. And so from my point of view, you know, um, I would want to do that <laughs> and uh, uh, from a health point of view. And so, so now that dictates a little bit more about uh, the types of exercise a person might, might do. Uh, and, I, and I think gives a little more relevance to, to why you would do them. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you, you tell someone to go do a boot camp. All right, well, great. I, I mean, we have this expectation that if I go do a boot camp, some amazing things are going to happen. And true, something will happen. <laughs> and the question is, how efficient are you being and how effective for the specific things that you want to see happening uh, is that yeah. program? And um, some people love that kind of exercise and thrive on it, but most people probably do not. <laughs> like burpees right. and those right. I mean even I love exercise and I and boot camp is not my thing I don't want to do right. that style <laughs> right 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 and, and and you know many of us you know will say look I, I want to do what it takes to be healthy um yeah. and, I, and I'll be willing to put in some effort but I, I don't know of any of us that wants to I think we like we'd like to have a nice return on our investment <laughs> yeah you know, and, and not throw in more than we than we need to, um, unless, of course, you know, many related back to myself, there was a time where I just loved going to the gym six yeah. days a week. I got to a point where, where um, I was comfortable and enjoyed the lifting, the challenge. It was uh, rewarding in, in a number of different ways to me, and I had some good social connections there. Yeah. So, so, so that was okay. But, but if, you know, if you're of the uh, feeling that I, I like to improve my health, but I don't really care to have a lot of social connections at the gym or spend that much time, then you got to find that specificity and know that it's going to do what you want to do. And so, um, so maybe that's an instinct about how I help people now. I mean, obviously, there, there's I believe I believe there's maybe two things uh, related. One is you know in terms of helping a person, there's finding let's say the right approach. Mm -hmm. And and some people would say, well, you know, everything kind of works. Well, I kind of believe some approaches are more specific and more relevant than others, maybe as I've tended to describe. And 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 those approaches could be very different for many people. So, you know, I have 99% of the people I see are have uh, metabolically unhealthy and have insulin resistance, but there's a 1% or so that came in at one time or another who aren't insulin resistant who are very insulin sensitive and could do very different things that, that don't go in that direction. Um, and even, even within, even those people who are insulin resistant, which um, many people may know, we would probably help address their needs by reducing carbohydrate and increasing fats. And the degree to which you have more insulin resistant may result in uh, how, how much you decrease those carbohydrates, uh, mm -hmm. you know, from to low carb, to less than 50, which might be ketogenic and grams of carbohydrate. But, but then you add in the physical activity. So for example, you know, the, the physical exercise, the, the contraction of the muscle uh, will absorb glucose. And so that type of training can then give you more leeway in terms of the carbohydrates you're consuming. So, so now, you know, is this person interested or willing to do weight training? they are, and then we can leverage the benefit of that towards the amount of carbohydrate they're having. So it becomes very, very uh, variable, all depending on uh, what the person can do or is willing to do. But I also believe at the end of the day, it's like you can't change the laws of physics, you still have to work within the laws of how things work. 
Um, and, and so, you know, sometimes I see, I've, I've had some folks come into the clinic and, and, and they've been very insulin resistant. I mean, I've had some people come in with their triglyceride levels uh, up to 250 higher, which is really problematic. And, you, and, you, and, and this one older person and, you know, maybe my, not my best coaching moment, but I would, and this is where being able to offer people information in advance and bits and pieces is better, but here she is. And now we've got to come up with a plan. And, yeah. and, uh, and so I'm trying to help educate as best I can. And, and I'm talking about, uh, you know, carbohydrates. And we talked about atherosclerosis and, and, and the effect of insulin on weight loss and all these things. And, and she wasn't really ready for that. And, but I, I can't offer a plan that you're not willing to do if you can't appreciate it. This isn't the best circumstance. Uh, but so, so the response I got was, look, I don't need to know all this. Why do I need to know all of this? What do I need to do? And I said, okay, well, you're going to have to cut out your carbohydrates. She says, well, why would I have to do that? Now I'm back to explaining what I was explaining before. Yeah. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, she went on and she did great. She dropped her triglycerides from 250 down to 56 or wow. below 60 somewhere. So. Yeah, so so with helping people now, it, it's 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 often a little bit about understanding uh, their circumstance. You know, in the coaching model, it's it's bringing people in to to first understand where they are, help them, you know, understand a little bit about what it is they want to change, what their discrepancy is, and and then hopefully, if 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 there's a good connection between them and the coach and what we can do, then we move on to uh, uh, the next phase, which is. Uh, um, having them fill out an initial assessment with broader lifestyle data being collected uh, from which then we can have our meeting and then hopefully uh, help them develop a vision of where they want to be. And then from there, we can create uh, three-month goals and, and then work on those incrementally where they create smart goals and, and offer them some education, dripping it out as appropriate and supporting them. And, and it just goes on for however and so that's so. So here we are. There's there's the techno technical part, which is doing the right thing, uh, you know, or applying the right thing. And I guess you could say, what's the right thing? It's what someone's willing to do. But there are some technical things that will make things biologically work properly, separate from yeah. what they're willing to do. And then, of course, then there's the coaching piece, which is helping them navigate the the behavioral changes to yeah. to move along in that way. I don't know if this is good for me or not. I, I just have this feeling or perception. And, and I, I get a little bit annoyed by the thought of, uh, by, by some of the major uh, weight loss companies out there is, um, uh, what, what do they say? Something is better than nothing or, uh, or um, the whole moderation, everything in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so my, my, what I believe is that when, when we tell people something's better than nothing, it's just my belief that, okay, they do something and feel that, okay, I've checked the box, I've satisfied, I've done something, mm. and I no longer need to do anything. And, and mm. um, so I believe a better model is, as, it's, as they're ready for it, but hopefully they, they are ready for it quickly, is, is to identify what the final outcome needs to be. Mm. And to help them understand, even biologically, like I tried to with atherosclerosis and and weight gain, that can be done pretty simply with a simple visual picture to show the interconnection. And I find people can understand it pretty well. Yeah. I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had anybody say that was, you know, I couldn't understand that. I think, I think, we, I think, we, give, I think we don't give people enough credit for what they're capable of understanding. And I also believe, and maybe this isn't good for me to say, but I believe people abdicate their health to the medical profession. And I, 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 yeah. I value the medical profession. I just had a small surgery done and I do value that. But I, I, I don't believe that we should abdicate our health. I believe we should be engaged in it. Yeah. And so, and so, um, so, so there is that technical part of, of helping them know where they might need to be for, 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 for their body to function properly. Yeah. Then there is where they are now and starting them there. And what's important along the way, I, I value the, the word progress. Mm -hmm. and, pro and progress is good. 
You know, I used, I used this analogy one time, uh, uh, for example, let, let's say my wife went to a trip to uh, Florida and she's coming back to uh, uh, Logan Airport uh, tonight. So I jump in my truck and I start, you know, I'm in Claremont, I'm like almost three hours away. So I start driving towards Logan and I get halfway there in Concord and I say, well, this is good, you know, um, this is better than nothing. <laughs> But yet my wife's going to be in Logan sitting there. Where are you? Yes. <laughs> you know? so, it's not going to work out well for you. It's not Unless going to work out. Unless you us. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I can appreciate, you know, starting them where they are, you know, and helping to understand that. I also believe we should present what, what is going to lead to a healthy circumstance uh, long term. And then obviously there is the, that, you know, setting small goals and whoops, uh, smart yeah. Smart goals to to help manage the behavioral change. I, yeah. I just inherently believe we do people a service to simply say something's better than nothing. Right. And yeah, I think you're exactly on point with that. I think both um, the information they get from most doctors and from those places like Weight Watchers and stuff is, you know, do a lot of steps and eat those salads, cut out. Um, they get the wrong yeah. information. So they're not going to get to that endpoint where you're giving them an actual map to get to the right place. So that's really great. Yeah, well, yeah. I think about it. I happen to remember I tried to get a testimonial, but it was a little bit of a conflict of interest. I had a, I had a, well, I had a coach that came from one of the big national brands come to me because they couldn't lose weight doing what the uh, big national right. brand told them selling. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then she lost weight. <laughs> so, um, and that's one of the reasons I started the podcast. I was so frustrated with the people I knew just doing steps and low calorie. It just, so I just wanted to share better information. Yeah. And there's so much absent from there. I, I think, I think maybe we we're sensitive to don't overwhelm them. You know, we, you know, we, we want to help them begin the journey, gain some inertia, if you will. But, but um, I, I think, I don't know that, that if we, we're, all of that good yet because i think there's a, a better way to accomplish what we want to by just you know giving them pieces but but not i think we do a disservice to not yeah. let them know ultimately where they need to be and why um and it is the, the thing is you, you know nothing is easy and that, and that goes back to the name of my site hormesis you know Hor hormesis right is 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 about how, how uh, a uh, an organism responds to uh, something that's it's subjected to that could be um, stressful. So, for example, if you take exercise, quite simply, you know, a person who lays in a hospital bed, uh, their, their muscles will atrophy and go away. That's not enough of a, what we would call a hormetic dose. It's not there. It's not enough of a stressor. And yet, you you take someone who you give them too much training and exercise, and and then it affects their immune system and they don't recover and they get sick yeah. and that's too much of the stressor and somewhere in between you have the right amount of stress that encourages growth but also allows recovery and that's a hormetic dose and and so uh it, you know i i've come to believe for myself just for my own motivation and discipline to accept the idea that in order to be healthy it requires a hormetic dose of stress and that can be in that can be in terms of the effort I put into something like exercise takes effort. It's not going to be comfortable and that and you need that hormetic dose. And when it comes to food, yeah, you're going to have to cook it. That's going to require effort. Uh, and, and, and even mentally, you know, having to think about uh, uh, change and, and, and behavior changes, yeah. it's, it's going to take some effort. So so quite honestly, we can't get away from. Uh, the hormetic doses of uh, stress. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, if we try to eliminate, we atrophy happens. And so it's it's really it's really important, I believe, for us to all appreciate that that a hormetic dose of stress, wherever we're talking about, not too much, not too little, is essential to our health. And mm -hmm. the notion of we've just made everything in our environment and our lifestyle comfortable. And, yeah. and so that that goes against getting that hormetic mm -hmm. dose, and we haven't even educated people to the point that they can appreciate that a, a hormetic dose of stress is necessary. Mm. So, 
So anyway, so you get that technical part uh, to help people get to the right place and you get the coaching part and, um, and you've got that breadth of many things that I've kind of touched on uh, here to, yeah. to help them. Uh, now, now, we also offer in the clinic, uh, we do cover stress management uh, or stress. We do cover, uh, we do cover um, uh, gut health. We utilize uh, a 4R program, which is remove, replace, re-inoculate, regenerate. Wow. Um, you know, many people don't know it, but, but I mean, you know, the symptoms of gut health show up in terms of like eczema or autoimmune conditions or whatever. And, you know, nobody knows the connection of those things yet. You know, so, so when you go in, you think I've got eczema and, and what happens? You get a cream, you get a cream yeah. <laughs> you know? and who knows that it, it may be tying back to your, to your, uh, to your gut health. So the practitioners, uh, maybe naturopaths, et cetera, at the, at the beginning and such, who are really looking at gut health are, are really looking at the root cause. And so for, I can, I can tell you, even with, with, with my wife at, at a certain point, she had done the whole keto program and all of that. And at a certain point, we just decided to, uh, to do the gut health, given our age. And we thought we'll just clean everything out and have a neutral kind of good platform. So she started on the first phase, the remove phase, uh, which involves a number of herbs and essential oils, uh, oregano and, and, uh, and some berberine and, and many other things. But, but um, so she started in and about two or so weeks in, uh, she saw what, what we would call the Hertzheimer effect is when you kill all those bugs and pathogens and then each pathogen like a yeast uh, has, uh, can have like uh, 50 different toxins in it. So if you don't fully get those out of the body from, from your bowel movement and such, then it gets into your body and can give you flu-like symptoms. And she had those. Uh, she had to take a day off from work. Uh, and, and the other thing is she started to see in her bowel movement, uh, uh, white, it almost looks like tissue, like toilet tissue, or it can be uh, like a thread of, uh, of yeast. And she had that too. So, so she, she had, she had no idea, she, you know, that uh, she had anything wrong uh, until she had started this uh, program. And, uh, but then in retrospect, she thought, well, geez, you know, in my younger age, um, I was on a lot of antibiotics, which, you know, will kill your healthy bacteria. Yeah. And the, and the most opportunistic pathogen to come in after that is yeast. Right. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, frequently, you know, even after antibiotics, she would have uh, uh, a vaginal uh, yeast uh, infection. So, you know, it all kind of ties back to that. And so I, I firmly believe... And then after she did that gut health program, then we put her on a metabolic detox, which is really, all it is is, uh, uh, this program is offered by Metagenics, but it's, it's really just a, a shake along with a, a supplement, which has, uh, has N-acetylcysteine in it, which helps the liver detox. Um, but, uh, and the shake has, has a lot of, uh, you know, basically cruciferous vegetables in high concentration to help the liver perform what it normally would perform. Uh, but um, so we did that afterwards, given, given the load that the liver was under to do the, the gut health program prior to that. And I actually believe that was the reason her thyroid normalized after Ooh. that. Right. So, so, you know, she had issues between her thyroid stimulating hormone and then T4 imbalanced. Uh, um, um, and uh, Hashimoto's is what it's diagnosed as. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then she also had the antibodies there, TPO, thyroid peroxidase, uh, okay. um, which were high. And so her thyroid peroxidase normalized and, and her TSH, T4 came in range. You know, so, so you took I some mean, stressors out that you didn't even know were there and the body was able to uh, heal. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So I could draw some uh, assumptions uh, in addition to what, to what you just said. I mean, both the uh, gut and the liver are uh, uh, key locations for the conversion of your T4 hormone that comes uh, from the thyroid to convert it into the active form of T3, which your cells actually use. Mm -hmm. So maybe if, if, if your, your gut or your liver aren't, don't have the capacity to convert T4 to T3 efficiently, and maybe that can lead to, an, you know, uh, the thyroid believing it needs more. Mm. Uh, and, and then the other thing is, you know, the gut health. Again, if you have leaky gut, if you have uh, 
you're activating autoimmune things. Well, then, then there you have the TPO going on. So, so you know, um, I began to get involved with those things because uh, our practice utilizes uh, metagenics products, which are um, uh, programs and supplements catered to uh, medical uh, facilities. And you know, as as I went from uh, you know just from our weight loss. Initially, the weight loss we did there was just uh, low glycemic, and then I learned. I'm looking through the materials, and I found, wow, they have a they have a ketogenic program that nobody knew about. We applied wow. that, wow. and then and then and then later, I uh, saw the uh, the um, that they offer uh, support for uh, gut health with a 4R program, and we implemented that. And so eventually, we had sort of a model, if you will, that that uh, we we did an assessment for food addiction up front. We had several written written assessments or questionnaires that would help us understand if there was the potential need for gut health or metabolic detox, and uh, and uh, which made a little more sense, either low glycemic or uh, ketogenic. And so, you know, in, in, in looking through the support and products and programs that Metagenics had, it formulated this very nice model that a person, you know, we could... Uh, apply the modules if you will appropriate to the person's needs no that's and, uh, so interesting yeah so that's that's uh that's kind of how we help people now so um i know you work for this clinic up there but you also do online coaching for people that are not near claremont new hampshire i do i do so um i have a website uh it's uh hormesis.com i mentioned a little bit about hormesis so uh, that name actually carries with it an important uh, health uh, consideration. Yeah. A lot of people would say, "What's hormesis?" <laughs> you know, and uh, but it had, you know, hopefully, if I get that conversation, it becomes a very important part of uh, things. And uh, so, I, I do offer online. People can uh, go there and fill out a uh, discovery questionnaire, which initially helps uh, helps me understand uh, what their interests are, what their current discrepancy might be, and then we just evolve into uh, the next set of conversations to figure out if we, if we might work together. And, uh, and um, so um, I do the, the nutritional piece. I have to step back a little bit on some of the things that would be, um, I guess you might consider more uh, diagnosing or prescribing, but um, I'm still able to provide the uh, person the client with uh, I think invaluable insight so that mm -hmm. so that they can take that to the provider and hold these discussions and I can and I can still offer many things that uh, would address uh, or be relevant I guess I could say to uh, health parameters but then it's being monitored and and such uh, in connection with their health provider uh, especially okay. like where they where they have to reduce medications or yes. or anything like that and quite honestly even if you think about the gut health program which you know, you might say that's uh, that's uh, you know um, a prescription in, in in some certain way. It's all uh, it's all natural uh, natural things. It's uh, foods to eat. It's it's uh, it's um, um, you know cho choosing the right foods. Uh, you know, berberine is just a natural stuff. I take berberine every day. <laughs> you know, so does, so does my wife now. So, mm -hmm. so it's not like it, it creates, it's not something that you can't take all the time. It's, it's really, it's, it's a very healthy supplement. It just happens to be that pathogens can't exist in the presence of health, <laughs> for example. So, so, you know, uh, we can offer some of those things to that extent. I do offer uh, uh, guidelines on physical training, like we talked about, and can offer uh, training programs and uh and some training assessments um nice. from, from an online point of view yeah oh very good yeah. so um so mainly contact you through your website yeah yeah they can uh right on the contact uh and at the bottom of the page there's a email for info at hormesis health and fitness.com and there's a, a business phone number there too if uh, they choose great
So there was a lot in there. Recovering from the symptoms of celiac disease and becoming a bodybuilder, and now running a lifestyle clinic for a doctor, and his wife reversing diabetes, getting off seven medications, including a thyroid medication. Again, you can find Brad at hormesis.com. Thanks so much for listening to the Off of the Couch podcast. You can find me at offofthecouch.com. Take a small step. See you next week.